Welcome to episode one of Being at the Top. I am Scott Ewart and our guest was Andy Bounds, the international sales trainer. Um, Drayton Bird, British marketing expert, was once quoted as saying that Andy Bounds uh, taught him more about effective presenting than someone who had previously taught two US presidents. The guy knows his stuff. But we talk about Andy's ABC method when it comes to sales strategies. We also discuss, if you, even if you're an amateur salesperson, how we can get to ninja level. Now, email propositions, how do we make sure that we, we write our emails effectively? Um, presenting skills, how do we improve them? And the proposals that we send to potential clients, how do we avoid certain pitfalls? Andy's got a very unique way of communicating. Um, in fact, it stems from his childhood and he's got a very unique uh, story about how his um, communication skills were um, improved as a child and how they developed as a child. So Andy talks in depth about that there. But Andy himself has authored three books, um, a near uh, bestseller on Amazon's uh, bestselling list, but was kept off the top spot by a book which I think you've all probably heard about. So he talks about that. This is an interesting one. There's a lot of little nuggets in this interview here around sales, growth, avoiding certain mistakes that quite often when we're doing business development and sales, we can, uh, we can often get tripped up on. So get the notepads ready. This is Andy Bounds. We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three. Listen. So, okay, Andy. Um, thank you. I would normally say welcome, but obviously here we are in your office down in Liverpool, of course. But I'm really excited as a salesperson myself, although I kind of do believe that we're all salespeople uh, in one way or another. But I'm really excited. Um, I think the last time, yeah, the last time I had seen yourself was in an event in Glasgow. Hundred odd people there. Mm-hmm. Great atmosphere. I took away a lot of pieces of information and tactics that I could implement right away. So I thought for the listeners, new startup businesses or business owners that are looking to grow, I felt that they would be able to take away some really some of these, you know, things that we can implement right away in our business that would well that would have an impact on our sales. So that's pretty much what we're going to talk about. But first of all, just for the people that don't know, I mean it would be interesting to find out a bit more about Andy of course, because there's quite an interesting story about how you learn to communicate better, of course, with your mother being blind. Uh-huh. Do you mind me asking a little bit more about that there and how no, that kind of helped fine. you? Yeah, so, um, so yeah, my name is Andy Bounds. My job is to help companies and people sell more and communicate better. And um, the thing about my mum, you mentioned, I mean, she's blind. Um, so uh, when when you were taught to speak, I imagine it was by someone who was sighted. And yeah. when I teach my children, I can see. So we tend to teach children visually. We point to things and say, that's a cow, say cow. Um, but obviously mum didn't have that so without realising it she taught me to communicate through description um, now why is that relevant because when we're talking to customers they are blind to why they should give us money 
They're blind to why they should listen. They're blind to why they should see us again. They're blind to why they should read your 20-page proposal that they didn't even ask for. And unless you can say things that blind people like, it just doesn't work. Um, and I remember as a child, sometimes I'd see someone talk to my mum um, and they thought they were explaining it well, but she didn't quite get it. So they might get a bit frustrated, almost a bit embarrassed, and she would be a bit frustrated and embarrassed. And I remember as a child thinking, oh, if you just had said that, you would both be happy. Yeah. And actually, that is what my job is now. I look at salespeople and look at their customers and think, if you just had said that, both of you would have been happy. You would have made the sale and they would have been delighted with what they bought. So that's my job. That's it. I help people sell more stuff. And which is exactly, well, you know, obviously, you know, cash flow probably being the lifeblood of, of any company, of mm-hmm. course, new or existing or growing without sales, of course, we don't have that there. So that is exactly what we want to teach the audience to do a bit better, uh-huh. sell better. But let me just go, you know, back before what you do right now, you mm-hmm. know, was it kind of university, corporate world, or you know, what, what was the kind of work? journey okay so um, I've only ever had three jobs so people normally assume that I worked in sales before I didn't have a sales role Um, my first job was a chartered accountant Um, so I left university didn't quite know what to do Um, so I thought I'll go for a job which whatever I end up doing will be useful and obviously it's useful to understand finance and I got quite into it and I passed my exam became chartered and all that stuff Um, and then my second job, um, I was headhunted by the training company that taught me how to pass my professional exam. So I went to work for them and I was there for about seven years. And that's when I started studying um, about how people want to receive information. So I have this natural stuff because of my mum. But then I started studying adult learning techniques, accelerated learning techniques. How can you say something and teach it in such a way that three months later in the middle of an exam room, a student can just write calmly and get it right? Yeah, so I started really dissecting how I taught and how I explained things. And the great thing about that, because I did it, as I say, for seven years, um, and I could tell I was getting better because you have this very black and white measure because your pass rates go up. Um, And at the end, my pass rates were sort of 95% and higher, and the national average at the time was 50%. Um, Now, I live in Liverpool, and I love Liverpool, but with greatest respect to Liverpool, the highest pass rates are normally in London because that's where all the brain boxes go. Um, so a pass rate of 95% of Liverpool hadn't been heard of really so I realised I must know something that other people didn't um, and I became very good at explaining stuff so people could calmly do it in and, the and what, what was it you were, what were the, what was the exams what kind of exams were these people just doing? accountancy stuff so accountancy, right, okay. there might be things like um, foreign exchange or right. um, really exciting what, stuff oh, yeah so you had to be interesting yeah. you know um, and you had to make people enjoy it um, accountants, I mean, I, I love being an accountant, so I think there's this perception that accountants are boring. Some people think, I didn't think that I thought they were really cool. And they, maybe I got them at a good age, they were 21, 22, 23, they were cool. They were very bright. I would have a class of 30 or 40. So you've got to be on your toes. Yeah, and I learned a lot then. Um, and then towards the end of that, I went to a presentation by a bank, um, and it was just dreadful. Uh, and I sat there thinking, why are they being so rude to the audience? This is tedious, it's boring, every slide looks the same, the presenter is just reading the slides out, they haven't asked us why we're engaged, there's no adult learning techniques, there's no accelerated learning, it's just rubbish, why are people so boring? Um, and I went home thinking they'd been very disrespectful to the audience. And then two or three days later, I went to another presentation by a different bank, totally different bank, and I thought exactly the same thing. And it suddenly dawned on me, 
this is what people normally do. So what I thought was unusually disrespectful is actually usual. And we've all been to boring presentations, haven't we? You know, we've all seen boring sales brochures. We've all seen boring stuff. And it's suddenly done on me. People just don't know how to be interesting. They don't know how to sort of captivate and engage and enthrall people. They don't know how to get people say, can I see you again? And people just don't get this. Um, and so that was where the the thing went in. I thought, oh, I've got a career here because people don't know what I know. The combination of having a blind mum and then seven years of studying how people's brains work gave me this quite a unique insight. And then I got my third job, mine. And this is it. This is yeah, where you are right now. Job three. So, and, and how then did it transition though from you know seeing these presentations? I dare say it was along the lines of accountancy, banking, finance. Uh-huh. You were at to, to helping people communicate, particularly sell better. Where did they say was that just an actual interest in being on courses or just through your professional sort of career? No, it's a good question. Um, and I'd love to give you a really beautiful response, but actually I don't quite know. Yeah. yeah. So when I started up, I thought um, I will teach maybe some report writing and I will teach presentation skills and I will teach time management and I will teach these things that relate to communication. Because obviously if you communicate well, you save time. You know? um, and sales was one of them. And I spoke to a guy called Drayton Bird, who was, um, if you know anything about direct marketing, he was kind of the guy who founded direct marketing. Um, uh, he's a brilliant guy, multimillionaire, um, uh, hilarious. Like, you know, he's met Ian Fleming, who wrote James Bond. You know, it's just yes. one of these, if you say, here's a story, Drayton, he goes, well, here's mine. And it's like a million times better. Um, and he was, he taught me a huge amount. He said, he, he's very academic, you know, he's read a lot of stuff. And he says, the way you talk, um, people just don't know this stuff. Um, and because he's got a marketing angle, he was very much like salespeople would just swallow this stuff up. I'd never really thought of sales, so he was the one who sort of made me think of it in this way. Um, and also he said, what you find is companies often have budgets to improve sales, but they don't have budgets to improve report writing. Yeah, so if your reports are boring, just suck it up and maybe just yeah. skin read it. Yeah. Um, but if your sales are boring, you make no sales and you go bust. Yeah. So there's often money somewhere that companies will find. So, so I went there because that's where the money was, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So it wasn't my passion. Communication is my passion, yeah. but sales is a subset of that. Well, sales, obviously, as we've discussed here, to, to any business is really, no, it's essential to every business. Yeah, but, so, yeah. you know, a good salesperson or even a solopreneur, learn, I mean, for someone starting out on their journey or for a business owner listening who's thinking, I don't quite, you know, very good at their craft or whatever that mm-hmm. be, um, you know, might we talked previously about accountancy. I mean, accounting, yeah. good at doing numbers. Let's say yeah. helping people plan for tax and all the rest of it. But how important is it to make sure that their sales or their sales team, or for a solopreneur, that they understand how important is that to the business? Oh, it's business critical. You know, it might not be your passion. So I know a lot of, say, accountants who have their own practice. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my friends have got their own practice. But when they went into practice, they didn't go into practice because they thought, I can't wait to sell tax returns. You know, that wasn't the driver. They went in because they didn't like the boss or they wanted to branch out on their own or they wanted more freedom or whatever it was. They had this book. But they don't... That wasn't the passion. Selling it's not the passion. Um, but the unfortunate thing is, I mean, I don't want to be too complicated with this, but the way business works in, money comes in and then money goes out and that's it. And if you don't know how to get money coming in, you're just knackered because you need money coming in. So it might not be your passion, in which case either make it your passion by learning it or recruit someone who can do it for you, but your business will fail 
if money doesn't come in. And so which brings to the question then, and, and maybe for those people that are on that side of the fence where they don't feel that they're you know, as good as they could be about sales, uh-huh. uh, are salespeople born or are they made? Now, I get asked this question a lot, and um, I and know the answer to this. I know the answer to this. I'm so excited to tell you. I mean, I was a salesperson who has been made because, you know, I used to be an accountant, and I used to teach accountants. It's nothing to do with sales. But the, the answer to this is, never in the history of human evolution have a mother and father had a baby, and the midwife has handed the baby to them and said, look, you've had a little salesperson. All right, salespeople are not born. Salespeople are made. I wasn't born knowing the stuff I know now, but I know it's really important. If my children want to eat, then we need food. If we need food, we need to have money to buy food. If we're gonna have money to buy food, I need to sell stuff so we have money to buy food. So it is family food critical (laughs) that I can do this stuff. Um, And if I can't do it, I need to pay someone else to do it for me. It's not. It's not negotiable. You've got to be able to generate business. Okay. And again, for someone who's not, what they might say, uh, uh, that in that great of a salesperson we've established now that they absolutely can improve, what uh-huh. would typically be the best foot forward in terms of, I need to improve my sales, I don't have the money to hire someone, so I need to do it myself. Okay, two things, all right? Um, there's only two things you need to do if you want to get some business in, and three if you want to get to ninja level. Right. So number one is you've got to be able to, what we call open doors, get in front of someone who might give you money. Yeah. So if you are a florist with a florist shop, you need to be able to speak to someone who might want to buy flowers. If you're an accountant, you might want to speak to someone who has a tax return. So you need to be in front of someone, whether it be virtually or face-to-face or on the phone, you need to speak to someone who might give you money. That's the first thing. And the second thing you do is you then need to be able to convince them to give you money. So using sales languages, number one, open doors. Number two, close sales. Yeah. Now, if you want to get to ninja level, the third thing is uh, repeat sales. So once they bought something, get them to buy something else. Yeah. So they're the three things. But the absolute core, open doors and close sales. Now, if we talk about those very quickly, yeah. there's many ways that you can open doors. If you look around at what every other company does... What you'll do is almost definitely you'll see the things that they spend money on. So you might see brochures and websites and you might be quite intimidated by that thing. God, look at all this money I have to spend. But they're the things which are visible and have a cost. Actually, the easiest way to get in front of potential people is not to do with money. What it is, is to do with your contacts. So when I started in business, I had a look down my phone. uh, So all my contacts in my phone and I graded each of them so if any of my contacts are watching this, this is what I did. Um, this is how special you are. So I went down all my contacts and I gave them two marks of A, B or C. One of them was for um, how much uh, they like me. So my mum, A, she likes me a lot. Yeah. My wife, B, <laughs> minus. Um, kids, A, sometimes, unless I told them off, in which case it's C. So I just went down, gave everyone a grade for how much they like me. And the second grade of A to C was how... Um, capable, how able they are to introduce me to a decision maker. Yeah. So my mum would score AC because A, she loves me, but C, she doesn't know anyone who might give me money. Yeah. Richard Branson will be a CA because C, he doesn't know me at all, but A, he could introduce me to kings and queens. Of course. Yeah. Now what I found was there were two or three people who were AAs, so people who liked me a lot and knew some useful people. 
Okay? Yeah. Then all I did is I went straight to my AAs and I just said this. I said, I wonder if you could do me a favour. They go, what? And they say, how can I help? You know, what? Because they like me because of the A. And I say, well, you know, I've recently started in business. One thing that will really help me will be if I could get in front of some people who might buy my stuff. And I'm really looking for people who want to increase sales. Who do you know that you'd feel comfortable putting me in front of who could do with winning a few bits of work? And so it was really gentle. I didn't say, please give me a referral. Please give me an introduction. It was like, I'm starting business. We're friends. Could you do me a favor? Yeah, and that sort of thing. And what I found was by speaking to my AAs, because they like me and because they knew people, I speak to three AAs and all of a sudden I've got seven or eight appointments in the diary. And what happens to my confidence then? Yeah. 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 And so if the person who introduced me to their friend, if the introducer was, let's say, Ian the introducer, and they'd introduce me to Fred the friend, then when I go and speak to Fred the friend, the first thing I talk about is Ian, because that's the only thing we have in common. So I understand you know Ian. Don't you play football with him? So it was just a nice chat. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first thing you're going to do. So if you need to win more sales, you've got to open doors. The easiest thing, go down your phones, grade them between how much they love you and how helpful they might be, and go to the AAs and ask for referrals. Okay? Yeah. Dead easy. Um, do you want to ask me questions about that, or do you want me yeah, to talk well, about well, the well, questions? Well, well, yeah, I mean, because after that, after you get in front of yeah. you know, the friends, uh-huh. you have to, of course, do some sort of... Yeah, follow. close the same. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. So you have to take the next step. So what would typically be the best way there after then to make sure that you, you secure some business? Okay, cool. So the um, there are three steps to doing it. Um, the, it's what I call my ABC. I was really pleased when I came up with this. It was so yeah. clever. Nobody else. But it's not the traditional ABC, is no, it? No, it's not. It's, yeah. it's a different ABC. It's not the song by the Jacksons yeah, yeah. or anything. <laughs> um, so what the A is um, is the first thing you need to find out is what I call the afters. And what I mean, and you won't have heard of afters because it's a word I've made up. But what I mean by afters is what's the client looking for after the work. So if you're an accountant, you don't say we do tax returns. You would say something like. Are you happy with the amount of tax you're paying or would you like it to be less? Yeah. So after seeing an accountant, you want to pay less tax. After seeing a lawyer, you don't want to go to jail. Yeah. You know, after seeing me, you want to win more sales. So my question wouldn't be, would you like to hear about me? My question would be, tell me about your sales. Are they as high as you'd like? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're a website company, you might say, tell me about your website. Does it generate as much interest as you want it to? So you want someone to say my life isn't as perfect as it could be and I'm looking for more sales or more time or a better work-life balance or whatever it might be. Of course. Okay? But it's really important you remember nobody cares about what you do. They care about what they're left with after you've done it. Got you. I don't want an accountant, but I don't want to pay tax. I don't want a lawyer, but I don't want to go to jail. Nobody wants me at all, but they do want to make more sales. Yeah, and dreadfully sad though this is to anyone watching this, nobody wants you. Yeah. All right. They don't want your products. They don't want your service. So don't talk about them. Find out why they want to be better off after. So you, you ask some good questions. So that might be, what are you looking to achieve? What will make your business better? I see you doing X at the minute. Are you happy with what it's doing? So you ask good questions. That's the A phase. The B, once you've done that, you then build certainty. And what I mean by that is if somebody says they're looking to reduce their tax bill, then you say, oh, I can help you with that. And they go, how? And then you just maybe give a story. Well, for example, I know someone who does the same job as you, and I say them 20 grand last week. And people go, did you? How did you do that? 
Um, or maybe you talk about what your process is. Well, I can help you with that. So, so what I do is um, I get your tax returns and I'll do this and I always find something where you can have your money back. You know, so you give this certainty. So straight away, people are thinking, wow, this guy asks good questions, sees he wants to reduce tax, has told me he helps one of my mates save tax by 20 grand and has shown me that I'm going to get my money back if he doesn't save tax. Yep. Now I'm interested. And the C stands for close. And what by I mean close, you just need to close the sale. Now, close the sale, a lot of people find this quite a scary phrase. Close the sale basically means get the customer to say yes. Now, the general rule with the close is if you say a question which is a yes or no, they could always say no. So if I say, so I could help you, it's going to cost you £20. Do you want to do it or not? They could easily say not. But if I say, so I can help you with that, and the good news is there's a couple of ways. So one way I could come and I could do this, 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 that would cost 20 quid. Um, but another way, because I know money's a bit tight, I could take out that and I could take out that and that will take the price to 10. So you're getting less stuff, but it's now 10 pounds. So you've got the 10 or the 20, I mean, which do you want to do? Yeah. So the traditional, what I would say, the alternative yes. clothes, if you were putting an old-fashioned sale. Yeah, so the alternate clothes, if you want to use sales stuff, Yes. if you want to use just English, um, give them a choice of yeses, yeah. don't give them a yes, no. A yes then, one or yes two. Absolutely, yeah. So it's a bit like if you have children, never say to your children, do you want to go to bed? You just go, no, I don't. Yeah. You say, hey kids, when do you want to go to bed? You go, now, go in five minutes, go in ten minutes, out of mind, when do you want to go? And they feel empowered, but what you're really saying is, bet yeah and when you say to the customer i can do this or this it's 20 quid or 10 quid what do you want they feel empowered but basically what you're saying is buy something yeah so very quickly the abc a afters find where they want to be after you that's good questioning b build certainty by telling stories and giving examples and c close it off by giving them a couple of options i could do x which costs this much or y that costs this much which do you want yeah and that's it and that doesn't matter whether you're selling a billion pound thing yeah. Or you're selling flowers to someone who's coming to your florist shop. It's yeah. exactly the same. Find what they want, prove you can do it, and then give them a choice. Okay. And, and, and actually, the the ABC model, from going back to when I seen you in Glasgow, that was actually one of the things that I remember quite clearly, actually. Um, how simple. Not sales and gimmicky, like you might find it's in just a lot chatting. of... It's yeah. well, It's communication that way, isn't it? Um but of course, one of the things, because I'm thinking, so someone listening to this then is understands the, the ABC philosophy, um, but in order to get their offer out, sometimes mm-hmm. it might not be like sitting down with the client saying you can have A or you can have B, mm-hmm. it might be fantastic, you need to compete with other proposals, Sure. and I know you've got quite strong opinions on you know, presentations, mm-hmm. spread, you know, in terms of um, key, delivering keynotes and the About Us pages and mm-hmm. the do's and the don'ts. So traditional proposals, first of all, when showing someone will come to the email uh, and how you maybe deliver emails, etc. But what are the do's and don'ts of proposals? Or how can you really, let's start with how can you really kill your chances of a sale by just doing a very bad, here's my proposal. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> I hate most proposals I see yeah um, and sometimes people say oh hate's a strong word and you go no it's not strong enough I bloody hate them they are rubbish they are boring they are long the person who's written them has heard of something called the thud factor and think of it thuds on the desk the customer will be delighted no the customer thinks I have to read this bloody thing they're not delighted at all so proposals there are two things number one follow the ABC so when you're writing it follow the order you know we've agreed this is what you're looking to achieve less tax bang 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 We've agreed this is how I'm going to do it for you. Then you do the bill service piece, da da da. 
And then you close it off and said, and we said there are two options, this is £10, this is £20. So just hit reply and tell me which one you want. So the proposal just follows ABC again. Okay. So, so your top paragraph focuses on the A, next paragraph on the B, bottom paragraph on the C, you might do it in a page. Yeah, so yeah. But that was going to be one of the things. So there doesn't need to be 10 pages, five, one. No, just as short as possible. Yes, yeah. 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 And because I said there are two things with proposals. So one of them is you're probably going to follow the ABC thing. And the second thing is agree with the customer up front what you're going to write in the proposal. So I was talking to someone on the phone this morning and they said they want to work with me and they said, can you send over a proposal? And I say, yeah, sure. Uh, what do you want in it? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, can we just quickly agree what the headings are? Because then that way you only get the information you want. Right. Like, if you don't tell me, I'm going to write 20 pages and it'll be rubbish. And so she said, well, I just want this and this. And actually what she wanted was just the, the price, really. Yeah. So I thought, if I send the price, they're going to forget this phone call and say that's too expensive. So I said, well, I'll do that, but do you mind if I just do the ABC? Do you mind if I just quickly remind us in the document what we're looking to achieve and how we're going to do it? They'll only take a page. Is that all right? And she said, yes, that's fine. So we verbally agreed what's going in the proposal. Yeah. So because she has verbally contributed to it, she's now more likely to read it. She's more likely to be impressed by it. She's more likely to get the information she needs. If the information she doesn't want, sorry, if the information she does want isn't in there, she knows it's a bit her fault. And so she's less likely to criticize the proposal. She's more likely to be, can we just look at this again? Um, and also, if you think about what's going to happen in my covering email, I'm going to say, I enjoyed our meeting earlier. Um, as requested, I've done the proposal for you containing these things. Bang, bang, bang. Um, I'll give you a buzz tomorrow so we can agree how you want to proceed. Love you lots, Andy. And then the proposal just goes in the headings we've done. So the two things with proposals are, probably it's going to be in the ABC format as well, which is great because that was the same order of the so meeting. The, 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 the proposal goes in the ABC format, the email goes, in fact, yep. your initial call everything. Say, everything follows the ABC. Everything follows ABC. First step, find the afters, what the priorities are. Yep. Secondly, build certainty you can deliver them. See, close it off. Um, the only difference with proposals, as well as probably following ABC, you're also going to ask them verbally, what do you want in the proposal? Yeah. It's really important that I've won work when people have said to me, just so you know, you're the only person who's asked me what I want in the proposal. So just so you know, I like you best at the minute. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of yours to lose because they didn't ask me. Yeah. Okay. And, and when you talked about, because again, something I found very interesting in Glasgow was about the email. Yeah. Just the very subtleties of an email, basically how it, well, it says kill your chances of a sale. Uh -huh. So you attach a proposal, mm -hmm. subject line, how you end your email with some form of ask. Yeah. Uh, not, you know, feel free to call, but I'll let you, you tell yeah, me sure. what you do in the doors. So emails, uh, the same idea. So in the title, you're going to have the A. It's still ABC, so you have something interesting in the title. So if you're sending a proposal, they're looking for the word proposal. So therefore, if, the, if I write to someone and they want to increase their sales in Belgium, the email title will be called proposal colon increasing your sales in Belgium. Because they're looking for the word proposal, they're looking for my name, or my name's in there, and then they're looking for sales, and they're looking for Belgium. If you were writing to someone and they wanted a recipe for lasagna, what would you put in the email title? Recipe for lasagna. What do most email titles have in them? Things like, um, oh God, FYI, um, proposal attached, miscellaneous. I mean, most email titles are rubbish. I mean, have a look at your inbox and try not to burst into tears. They're just dreadful. And then have a look at your sent items and try not to burst into tears because we yeah, can all do boring email titles. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to do interesting titles. 
Um, so if it's a proposal, very easy, you put the word proposal, then a colon, and then what their number one after is, helping you sell more in Belgium, helping reduce your tax bill, helping you stay out of jail. That all goes in the title. Yeah. Then you do the uh, body of the email, nice and short. I always like saying, um, dear, name, and then I say, I enjoyed our meeting. I prefer saying that to thank you for your time. Thank you for your time sounds like I'm being deferential to you, yeah. whereas I enjoyed our meeting sounds joint. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that they're going back to we're on the similar level versus you being here and me being Absolutely, yeah. I am their partner, I'm not their bitch. You know, yeah. I don't want to say thank you for sparing the time, I know how important you are. And it's so easy to say these things Absolutely. if we get nervous. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're so grateful someone saw us, we just carry on thanking them and apologizing yeah. and say, I brought some slides you didn't ask for because yeah. I'm nervous. But it's much better, don't prepare slides, prepare questions. Think, what am I going to ask to find out the afters? People love stuff like that. So in the email, you have a good title. Then I say, um, dear, whatever, I enjoyed our meeting. As agreed, I like that phrase, as agreed, I've attached a proposal for you. And it contains blah, blah, blah. And very important, I then do the, the um, a call to action at the bottom. If your final line of an email says... Um, should you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call. Which everyone does right, don't they, let's be honest. Then what happens is nobody calls, there's no action. So you want your final line to do a close. You know the C stands for close, so you need to close the email. So always have a call to action. So my final line of an email always begins with the words, please can you. So I just say, please can you read the proposal, and if we're good to go, accept it. And if we're not, give me a ring and we can chat about it. So it's almost like someone says, this will help you get into Belgium. As agreed, this is everything you want. Please have a look at it and accept it or give me a ring. And it's impossible for that email not to work because the title means it's opened, the content is short, and then there's a call to action at the end. You must ask people to do something in an email or they won't do anything. Yeah, I, d- I dare say you've seen your, well, I've probably all done and seen badly written emails, mm. but I know you've, you know, the John email at the sales company. Do you mind me asking about that one again? Yeah, because funny, I think yeah. this is actually... I know I've been guilty of that. Yeah. Maybe not as aggressively, you know, cap. But but tell, if you can tell that story, because that was quite yeah. enjoyable. Well, I don't sure. the book, but. So, um, so there was a sales director at a company had written an email out to his team and nobody had replied to it. And he'd asked for some feedback from me. And um, uh, so I'll tell you what the email said. And uh, I'd like you listening here to see if you can tell what this person had done wrong. He called the email figures... So there's no afters in that, it's called figures. And then it was, he wrote in capitals, which obviously means he's shouting, everyone, a new paragraph, I am fed up with chasing you for your figures every month. And he'd written all this. And then the next paragraph wasn't in capitals, so it obviously calmed down. And he said, I want our relationship to be that of peers, partners, equals or something. But increasingly I'm finding our relationship is becoming that of parent-child. Final paragraph, John. And so he wrote this. So he said, basically he said, figures, I'm fed up with all of you. I want you to be equal, but you're basically children. And so I said to him, okay, John, we do things a slightly different way, but we need to rewrite this. Firstly, what was your call to action? What did you want people to do? And he said, I wanted them to send the figures. I said, he didn't ask them. He goes, I did. He says, figures in the title. I said, but when I read this, I just saw you shouting. Then you called me a child. You didn't ask me to do anything. Uh, and he goes, well, I need the figures. I said, we haven't written it down. So he started, so I said, let's rewrite it. And he wrote down the final paragraph, which said, I need you to send the figures. And I said, no, need is rude. Say, please. And he goes, I do need it. I say, I know, but need is rude. If I say to the kids, I need you to go to the bed, my kids will say, well, I need you to learn some manners, Dad. You tell us off if we don't say please. You know. So 
Please can you send me the figures? Put a timeline on, please send me the figures today. Put your action on, please send me the figures today, and then I'll put them in the system for you. I mean, that is just so clear now what to do. The trouble is, the email is still boring because it's called figures. So I said to him, why will they be better off after these figures? And he said, well, I'll know the figures. I said, yeah. He goes, well, I'll put it in the commission generator. I went, okay, yeah, go on. And what happens after that? I said, well, they get the commission. So what we did is we resent the email with a new title, and this time everyone responded straight away, which is, I think, probably what you remember. And it, it was called, Making Sure You Get Paid This Month. That was the email title. And guess what? They opened that. And it said, making sure you get paid this month. Um, hi, everyone. Please can you hit reply and send me your figures for the month? And then I put them in the commission generator. So actually, the only content you wrote was, hi, everyone. Because everything was in the beginning and the end. Because if you have a good title and you have a good ending, you should be okay. It's like I said before with proposals. If I say, proposal, colon, helping you sell into Belgium. And then at the end it says, to accept this proposal, please hit reply and say yes. Then the middle bit becomes much shorter. Yeah. And, and, and actually on the sales director, sales manager, uh, someone with a sales team, one of the things we spoke about in Glasgow um, was about the sales meetings. And I was desperate to ask you the question because you basically say, you know, everyone hates those Monday morning meetings and, you know, typically they'll go on too long and, and, and all the rest of it. But um, sort of sales training, sales meetings... Basically, how does a sales manager or company owner or sales director get their salespeople to improve? I mean, as a traditional training method that they should regularly go over and hold certain meetings, can you just elaborate on a little bit of that? Of course, yeah. So there's lots of ways that you can improve salespeople's performance. And the general rule is to remember with any walk of life, people do things based on the habits they're in. They don't do things based on best practice. So um, we all know people who are trying to lose weight, but they just can't because the habit is they have a pizza every Sunday and they have biscuits every morning. And there's just nothing they can do about it because they say we're just hardwired. Now, habits are good because when you clean your teeth in the morning, you don't think, how do I do this again? You know, and when you drive home, you don't think, what's the journey home? Because we get into habits. So our brain seeks to automate stuff, but that can have a bad thing because if you have a Monday morning meeting, which is dreadful and you always have it, well, you're always going to have it. Yeah. So you just have these meetings which are rubbish and everyone hates, including you, and we still do them. So the important thing to remember is your salespeople, the reason they're doing what they do is because of the habits they're in. And habits are long-term things. So you're not going to change your habit by doing a short-term training event. Yeah. Okay? So training is essential, but it's not enough on its own. So, for example, when we work with um, companies, I, if they say we want a day of your time, I say, well, I wouldn't do that if I was you. I would have two half days of my time. So let's work with them for a bit. I'll come back in a month and we'll do another half day. Um, but when I come back, everyone has got to have sold more stuff using the techniques they learned then. They can have my mobile number. They can ring me every single day in between. So I'll coach them if they need coaching. They can send me proposals to review. I don't care. But when they come back, they have to have... And what we find is that transforms the sales because they know they're on the hook for doing it. They know that they look stupid if they haven't because all their mates have done it. And so what, what I find then is you help people change habits because of the long-term impact. Now, if you don't want to invest money in someone like me, that's fine. But if you're a sales manager, if you teach them something, they have to know that you're going to check up on them in a formal setting in a bit. So let's say someone watching this says, right team, our proposals are rubbish. I want you all to watch this video and then change your proposals forever. That's fine. 
But if you said that and also say, and what we're going to do next week is I want you to all print out the first page of the first proposal you've written after today and we're going to look at each other's to see what we've all done. Well, that's different because you're now on the hook for doing it. Yeah. So if you want to improve performance, yes, teach people stuff, but then there has to be a follow-up. They have to know they're going to be watched. in that sense. They have to know they're going to be watched. Um, so that's so. If you're going to do training, that's fine, but there needs to be follow up. There needs to be accountability. Um, uh, other training. So, for example, I've recorded loads of videos, and the reason I've done that is some people say, if I have um, a day's training on networking, I can have whatever follow up you like. But if I don't go networking for two months, I might forget it all. So that's where sometimes people do. Um, they want videos, like whether it's mine or someone else's, because if you go in networking, you can just watch my networking video before you go networking. So as you're on the way to Chamber of Commerce, you just quickly look at it on your phone for three minutes and go, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big believer, it doesn't matter how you train them, whether it's face-to-face, it's on the phone, you have to train them a bit, at least, do more than nothing, but you have got to follow up with accountability. Yeah, they have to know they'll be watched. Do you, do you think that the, the sort of career as a sales professional is not really seen as a proper career in the sense that people don't... Treat, they see it almost sometimes as a bit of a stopgap. You know, how many times people are almost ashamed to say, I'm in sales. I, I mean, a good salesperson, do you think they... Or the very best salespeople, do you think they are the ones that are daily looking at content to improve themselves, reading books like so your own or other authors out there. I mean, is that essential if you really want to be first class when it comes to sales? Well, I mean, there's... I think so. I mean, if you're going to... Unless someone is going to be born with some heaven-sent talent that nobody in the history of humankind has ever had ever and can do it better than anybody else in the history of humankind has ever done ever yeah well crack on good luck to you yeah i think the best way to master anything is you find someone who's an expert at it and you copy them a bit it's not like if you were suddenly going to go and play football say you were um, a left winger and you're going to play football the first thing your manager is probably going to do is say look at these videos of ryan Giggs when he was playing look at gareth bale when he was playing look at thierry henry when he was on the left and he came in look at people who are on the left and see how good they are and see what they do look at sane who plays for city now so look what position he does so that's the way in any walk of life the quickest route to success is you find someone good and you copy or learn from them yeah yeah and now whether that's a sales trainer or your boss or whatever it has to be someone yeah because the odds of you working out in your bedroom quicker and better than the rest of humankind ever nil's not gonna happen it's not likely yeah it almost like sorry just want to say this i say um so sometimes people say i don't have the time to be trained. I don't have the time to read up on stuff, and I think that I don't have the time not to. Yeah. You know, if I want to master writing proposals, say, I can either speak to someone who's closed loads of brilliant proposals and read what they've done and make changes to it, or I can just try and devise my own proposal route. I mean, the, the quickest, laziest, coolest way to get better at anything is to find someone good and copy them. I feel this very strongly. <laughs> I'm getting on my own nerves with the passion <laughs> I'm talking about it. But if you just sit there thinking, I don't know what to do, I'll send out what we sent last week, even though last week it didn't work. I mean, that's just nuts. Yeah, yeah. And actually, for those people that say, OK, I want to be better at sales, but I just, because I don't have the time, you know, mm-hmm. I can't fit these things in. I mean, how important is diary management and program? You know, is it important to a salesperson? Yeah, that wants to be good. Yeah, so um, people often say the phrase, I 
don't have time. And they often say that for things that they don't really quite want to do. Mm. So um, I've heard people say, yeah, we moved house a few months ago and we've not had time to empty all the removal crates yet. And I did play Call of Duty for 12 hours. You know, there's always time if there's something's important enough. And what I found in my corporate life is that what people have the time to do, it tends to be what's in the diary. Yeah, and if it's not in the diary, you have to fit it around what's in the diary and you haven't got time for that. So let's say you want to do the idea, I said before, of going through your phone to find all the people who are going to be the AAs that you're going to ask for introductions to. I bet if you look at your diary, you haven't got time to do it because nowhere does it say, go through my phone. So you go, well, that's a good idea, Andy, but I don't have time, so it's not going to work. So his advice is rubbish and he's rubbish and there's nothing I could do. Yeah, a lot of people do all that, but their brain processes it so quickly they don't realise they've done that. Um, Whereas the way to find time to do it, and stop me if this is too advanced, is you look at your diary and you put in half an hour, go through my phone to find the AAs. And that's it. And all of a sudden you've got time to do it. Um, and I, you would physically write that in the diary. Absolutely. Make X amount of cold calls. Yeah, that's right. So, so for example, I don't like cold calls. I like war, I like hot calls, like referrals. Yeah. So I have in my diary every week a 20-minute diary entry which says, ask for a referral. And it's yeah. in my diary... So I always have time to do it. Um, I don't mind if they say no. It doesn't say get a referral or else. It just says ask for a referral. And it's because in the diary, I always have time to do it. Um, Because I know it's important, I always do it. And um, I'll have lots of holidays this year. But let's say I work for 40 weeks a year. That means I'm going to ask for at least 40 referrals. Now, I don't get 40. The world doesn't work that way. But I get an awful lot more than none. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I... I'm very, very busy, I'm very successful, but I can find 20 minutes in my diary because it's important to me. Um, I gave the example when we were in Glasgow about, and I'm not proud of this one at all, about how well my business got very successful, how um, I didn't have time to get home to bath the kids when they were young. I did manage to read them the story afterwards, but I missed bath time because I was busy. Um, and, uh, and it suddenly dawned on me that I just got my priorities all wrong. So what I did was I changed my diary. So between five and seven every day, it says kids, and it's in the diary. Um, So my PA knows she can't put any calls in between five and seven, and she knows there's no point ringing up and saying, someone wants to get in, there's only between five and seven, because if it was a client between five and seven, she would never ask that question. So the children are more important than clients. Like, it's just nuts. So, um, and so because it's in the diary, I always have time to bath them. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's a sad ending to this story because they don't like me very much because I keep so much. But it's the, those three words, time, priority, and diary, mean the same thing. Time, priority, and diary. So anyone looking at this says, "I don't have time for sales training," means they aren't prioritizing it, which is fine if you don't need to, but it's not fine if you do need to. Absolutely. And it's I can guarantee it's not in the diary. And I think for a lot of solopreneurs or business the the phoning for referrals or doing enough sales activities or sales generating activities they're not prioritising it which is why it's so important obviously and that's why I asked the question yeah you've got to do it now I'm very blessed that I only need to do 20 minutes a week now I didn't want to start it because no one had heard of me so I I can't remember what my diary was then but I wouldn't be surprised if I had say four or five half hour slots yeah because I needed that amount just to go and ring everyone. And Over the course of a week. Yes, that's right. But I did that every week for months and months and months and months. Yeah. And the weird thing is, um, nobody really cares now that I did that then. Yeah. But if I hadn't done that then, I wouldn't 
have what I have now. Absolutely. Yeah. It's actually an interesting one because there's obviously a lot of talk right now about and going back to the children that this mm-hmm. is going to go back to someone you know leaving time for your you know your family yeah how there's a philosophy now where you just have to work 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 until you know uh, you know for years upon years you know people are often talking about hustling and grinding that those kind of buzzwords there how important do you think it is to actually have some sort of normal life activities you know family well, I think it's essential family. yeah I'm not into this work life and home life I think you just have life uh, yeah absolutely. and it has to be in balance um and balance so, so uh, uh, quite a lot of people over the years have asked me what because i'm i have good balance so they asked me what my balance is and i said well i'll tell you but it's not really relevant i think because it's balanced for me because it suits my life yeah um uh, but it, it's pivotal so it's things like at the beginning of the year and if you've got your own business this is very hard to do but at the beginning of the year think when do i want to take holiday let me put it in now. So the kids are off in August. So I'm just going to put in a week's holiday in August. I need to put it in the diary now. Yeah. Because what will happen is you won't do that because you have a panic because you haven't got time yeah. in January and February. And all of a sudden you get to sort of March, April, May. Then like you're thinking, I really ought to get away with the kids. But then, of course, the holidays are getting expensive. Things are booked up. Um, everybody else has already got their holidays sorted. Then you feel really bad about it. And you get this vicious spiral. So things like I'm going to put holidays in. I'm going to put bath time with the kids. I mean, I choose five till seven. Um, other people might choose half six till seven. It doesn't matter what it is, but if you don't put in those important things, they fit around work, and life's not supposed to be that way. You want things to be in balance. Uh, going back to the, the, the diary side of it and how you're physically right in there, you know, family time mm-hmm. within the diary, do you do that with all of your activities you know obviously in traditional people just put their meetings in there mm-hmm. but you know your call or your warm calls hopefully for yeah. referrals but there's this sort of um, discussion right now where it's to-do list versus actually inputting something in the diary so I only deal with my emails between 9 and 10 for example or whatever sure. you want what way do you favour? So, so my so the thing that works for me, and it might not be right for other people, the thing that works for me is I'm a bit of a, um, uh, I have had this feedback, I'm a bit of a diary tosser, right? <laughs> so if it's in the diary, I do it. And if it's not in the diary, I magically don't have time to yeah. do it. Um, and, I, and that suits me because I only want there to be one thing I'm looking at. Because if I have a diary and then I have a to-do list and then I have a list of people I'm going to cold call with this time and then I have and then I have, it's just too confusing. Yeah. Um, so because I said before, you don't have a work life and a home life, you just have a life. So therefore, my diary is for my life. So the same diary has sales workshop 9 till 12, and in the afternoon it says kids 5 till 7, yeah. because I just have one life, so the diary manages all that for me. Yeah. Um, if I have a to-do list, um, which I wouldn't have because I would just put straight, things straight in the diary, but some people like a to-do list as well, you're going to have to, it sounds daft, but you're going to have to have a diary entry which says, do the to-do list. Yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. you don't have time in the day to do this list. And that can get very stressful because you keep, I mean, we've all done this. You think, I'm going to do things, I'm going to do at least do thing one, two, and three. And you get to the end of the day and you just have another point, 10, 11, 12, 13, you haven't done any of it. Yeah, yeah. But there was no time in the diary put aside to do it. Yeah. yeah? Um, and another thing is, well, as far as finding time to do stuff, a lot of it hinges on willpower. So basically the way that willpower works, willpower is like any other sort of energy. You wake up in the morning and you have energy and you go to bed at night because you're knackered. 
Yep, so energy goes down during the day. It's often better in the morning, then you have the post-lunch slump, but generally it goes down. So the only thing that doesn't take willpower is stuff that you're in the habit of doing. So let's say you're in the habit of going jogging every evening. You might think, I'm going jogging this evening, and you will because it doesn't take any willpower to do it because you're in the habit of doing it. But how many people do we know who, when they want to lose weight, they wake up in the morning and go, I feel a bit fat today, but I'm not getting up now. I'll go jogging this evening. But they have, they're not in the habit, and it takes willpower, but all the willpower's gone by the evening. Yeah. So they're just like eating Nutella with a spoon in tea, as thinking, tomorrow I'll do it, tomorrow I'll do it. So if some of the stuff I'm saying now, you think, this is good, but it's going to take willpower because I'm not in the habit of doing it, do it first thing. Yeah. Yeah? So if you like the idea of 20 minutes a week given to asking for a referral, just put it in. Tomorrow morning, like half eight till 10 to nine, just get it done. Yeah. Because if you can't be bothered doing it then, you're not going to do it after lunch, are you? Because you're full and stuffed and it's the graveyard shift. So all your important activities, get them done first thing. Yeah, important and hateful. So if I have to do something I don't want to do, it's got to go in the morning because I'm going to hate it anyway. And there's a great book by Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog. Yeah, And yeah. basically it says, if me and you have a frog on our desk and we both have to eat it or we're going to be murdered, um, whenever you eat it, you're probably going to vomit because you're eating a live frog. Um, so I would just get that down. I would vomit straight away and it's done. You might look at yours and go, oh, God, it's a frog. Oh, God, it's a frog. Oh, God, it's a frog. And you might pick it up 12 times during the day, and you're thinking about this frog all the time. And then when you eat it, the vomit's not left. The vomit's still the same. Yeah. Um, but you've had all that grief beforehand. Yeah. So anything important gets done in the morning, and anything frog-like horrible gets done in the morning, because I would rather do it quickly, and my brain's at its best in the morning. Fantastic. So one last one just to kind of summarise for all the listeners there. And it's really, uh, well, summarising everything we've discussed, really, but anything else that you might want to add, mm-hmm. we've established that we all need to sell better to make yeah. sure that our well, business survives or that our thrives. But summarise it for me, the average salesperson versus the you know great salesperson. Perfect. So, and this is great because this is just a summary of stuff we talked about before. The um, really good salespeople know that there are two things to do, open doors and close sales. And so the really good salesperson tries to do both of those every week. And therefore, the really good salesperson probably has something in the diary to enable those things to happen. So if you don't have in your diary generating leads time, then you probably aren't going to generate any leads because there was no time to do it. Now, you're giving me great excuses. I was busy doing this and I was delivering this for Colin and I was doing all this. You go, yeah, 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 yeah. But you didn't put it in the diary, did you? That's why it didn't work. So the really good salespeople know you've got to open doors and you need something in the diary to find time to do that. And you've got to close sales. Now, when you close sales, all the best salespeople I've met follow the ABC format. They don't call it that. They call it something else or they just do it naturally. But A, they find the afters. They find out what the customer's most interested in. Um, B, they then build certainty that they'll get that thing. And then C, they close it off. Um, and so the thing to remember is the really good salespeople open doors, close sales. They're able to do it because they're in the diary. If they're going to open doors, probably they're going to use referrals first because it's easiest. If they're going to close sales, they're probably going to use ABC because that's easiest. When they write proposals, the proposals will follow ABC because that's easiest. This is what you want. This is what we're doing. This is the price. Which option do you want? Yeah. When they do emails, their emails will be interesting. ABC, title, and then you build it, and then you close it off. So includes where you do ads. But more than anything else, the really good salespeople keep learning. Yeah. So they keep learning. And they have this curiosity and they want to get better. So 
you know, so anyone watching this, I would suggest, you know, if you're not someone who reads books, just go on YouTube and type in sales techniques and see what comes up. Um, type in my name if you want. There's loads of free stuff uh, on YouTube. Um, if you don't like videos, um, you can get audio stuff. If you think I'd rather go with mates because I know we can keep ourselves, then like go on a local course, even a chamber of commerce thing about like, how to sell. Just help yourself get better because I know you think you're above average because everyone thinks they're above average. But how averages work, <laughs> half of us are worse than average. Yeah, that's a horrible thing, but half of us are worse than average. That's what an average is. So elevate yourself above the norm by learning. Anybody listening or watching, where will they kind of find some of your materials? I know you've got books and mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're sort of probably no doubt on social media and website. Tell, tell the listeners sure. where you are. So my name is um, Andy Bounds and anything that's to do with me, if they type that in, that will help. So if they're interested in the books, if they type Andy Bounds in Amazon, my three books come up there. Um, one of which was to say it was successful was like an understatement yeah it was cool that yeah. one so that one I know the one you mean um, that was the first one the jelly effect which yeah. I have this screenshot which it was just before the final Harry Potter the Deathly Hallows book came out and obviously Harry Potter is number one and two Damn but Harry my book's number three mm -hmm. yeah but apparently three looks quite close to two the difference was about 50 billion sales <laughs> or something um, so Andy Bounds on Amazon there um, I said before about the online videos that's Andy Bounds online um, I'm really proud of those actually because if you go in networking and you're nervous you just watch the video before you go in so is that YouTube or Andy Bounds Online there's a website Andy Bounds Online got you okay. yeah, so andybounsonline.com and there's and there's and, and there's a small cost with some of the videos but there's three of them which are free yeah. so if you go to Andy Bounds Online just like search out the free ones if you want um, if people just want to email me my email address is andy at andybounds.com um, and I've no interest in, in doing this if it doesn't help so you know it's an open invitation I always reply personally it's not my colleagues who do it yeah. um, but apart from that you know just, just change one thing or if you don't like the phrase one thing change more than nothing you know just change more than nothing yeah. um, because we're creatures of habit and if you're not careful what you did last week will be the same as what you did last week even if last week made you unhappy yeah so so change one thing just change your proposal thing or just change your diary to say I'm going to do a hot call once a week or just change your proposal template or just change more than nothing and you're better than you were I think on that just change more than nothing Andy yeah. thank you you're welcome so there we have it a conversation with international sales expert Andy Bounds now what we're all about here in terms of the proper method of learning is now going back and dissecting the good, taking the gold and getting rid of the dirt. I urge you now to head on over and listen to the next podcast, Getting to the Top in 10 Minutes, where we will basically deconstruct Andy's conversation and working out how we can properly implement it into our business. It's for the love of the shit that I do wear And I'll give my last breath to prove it